The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely pumped, we will be able to live with people as their brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Beloved Community Podcast, brought to you by KUAF and the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council. The Beloved Community Podcast is designed with community in mind. We seek to highlight individuals and organizations that strive to build Dr. King's beloved community in the Northwest Arkansas region, the state of Arkansas, and beyond. Each month, you'll hear from leaders in our community working to combat poverty, racism, and equality, and promote the ideals of the beloved community where injustice ceases and love prevails. Be inspired to join the movement. The story of Juneteenth begins on June 19, 1865, when a Union battalion, including 6,000 black Union soldiers, arrived in Galveston, Texas, with news that not only had the Civil War that had been raging for five years ended, but also with President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Enslaved men, women, and children in Galveston and all of Texas were free and had been granted their freedom some two years earlier. Here's Frank Smith, director of the African American Civil War Museum in Washington, D.C. So Juneteenth is one of those holidays that start out from the bottom up. It starts out because people in Texas start celebrating it. They, they remember uh, the stories about what happened in this little place in Galveston, right outside of Houston, Texas, uh, where uh, on June 19th or uh, thereabout, uh, they, 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 on that day, uh, the Union Army arrives in Galveston, Texas, and they read the Emancipation Proclamation to, a, to a, a bunch of people who are living on these islands outside of Galveston and who may not have heard uh, that the war was over. The earliest Juneteenth celebration started the next year in 1866 with church-centered community gatherings in Texas when millions of African Americans in the rural South moved to northern cities throughout the 20th century known as the Great Migration. These families and individuals brought Juneteenth celebrations out of the South into the rest of the country. During the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, Juneteenth celebrations were often eclipsed by the nonviolent determination to achieve civil rights, but grew in popularity again in the 1970s with the focus on African-American freedom and African-American arts. Beginning with Texas by proclamation in 1938 and by legislation in 1979, every U.S. state and the District of Columbia has formally recognized the holiday in some way. Juneteenth is also celebrated by the Muscogos, descendants of black Seminoles who escaped from slavery in 1852 and settled in Coahuila, Mexico, making Juneteenth an internationally recognized holiday. Local Juneteenth celebrations are as varied as the communities where they are happening. Some include rodeos, street fairs, cookouts, family reunions, parties, historical reenactments, and Miss Juneteenth contest. In 2021, 
Juneteenth became the first new federal holiday since Martin Luther King Jr. Day was adopted in 1983. As a national holiday, Juneteenth is now an opportunity for the entire country to reflect on its past and to celebrate the freedom of all its citizens. This is a story of the last day that slavery existed in the last outpost in the southernmost section of the United States. That's what it is. And everybody has to now stop for one moment to think about what does that mean? And so we'll all put some meat on those bones as time goes on. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. The University of Arkansas started celebrating Juneteenth in 1997. This year's celebration, Freedom Festival, will be the 26th annual Juneteenth celebration hosted by the University of Arkansas. Taking place at the Shiloh Pavilion in Springdale, the 2023 Freedom Festival will include a black film showcase, music performances by Bone Thugs and Harmony, the Ohio Players, and more. Food, drinks, vendors, and a full day of celebration. The woman who makes this Juneteenth celebration and many other things possible in our community is Dr. Danielle Williams, and we are delighted to have her as our guest for today's episode of the beloved community. Greetings, Northwest Arkansas community. I am Chris Seawood, treasurer of the Northwest Arkansas MLK Council, and we are delighted to have you join us for the beloved community podcast. I'm joined today with our council president, Lindsay Leverett Higgins. Hello, Lindsay. Good afternoon. (laughs) We are delighted to be joining you from beautiful downtown Fayetteville at the KUF studios. And we are also delighted to have our very special guest today, Dr. Danielle Williams. Dr. Williams serves as the Associate Vice Chancellor and Executive Director of Equal Opportunity Compliance and Title IX at the University of Arkansas. Dr. Williams has oversight of the office and is responsible for employment and regulatory compliance for the campus community. In this capacity, she serves as a liaison to federal agencies such as the Department of Labor, Department of Education, and Equal Opportunity Commission. On a part-time basis, Dr. Williams is an adjunct professor in the management department of the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. She also serves with us on the MLK Council. She is a longtime servant of the council, and she serves also in her capacity today with this conversation as chairperson of the Northwest Arkansas Juneteenth Committee. And to note, as Dr. Williams is an employee of the University of Arkansas, the opinions she expressed are not those necessarily of the University of Arkansas and are completely her own. She has a long bio, as you can tell. Dr. Williams, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity to have this conversation with you all today regarding Juneteenth and other aspects of the celebration. So. Thank you. Yes, definitely welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. And 
Um, as Chris alluded to, Danielle is also a member of the Northwest Arkansas MLK Council. So this is really a family conversation, and we are really just looking forward to talking a little bit about the history of Juneteenth, talking a little bit about the history of the Juneteenth celebration in Northwest Arkansas, and understanding and delving into the work that the Juneteenth Committee is doing and how it ties into Dr. King's concept of the beloved community and the expansion of the beloved community. So let's kick it off. How about you tell us a little bit about the history of Juneteenth and the history of the Juneteenth celebration here in Northwest Arkansas? Well, you know, of course, Juneteenth predates me, which we're not going to talk about my age, <laughs> but that's another story today. Um, so, you know, when we talk about just the whole true history of what's Juneteenth, um, it starts, of course, in 1863 with the Emancipation Proclamation mm -hmm. and the freeing of the slaves. Right. Um, however, in spite of what happened uh, with the Emancipation Proclamation, um, the, the information and the communication was not readily received and communicated to all aspects of the country, especially those in the South. And you know, with our illustrious president here, um, Lindsay Lever Higgins, being a, I guess, a, a person who is, um, uh, I guess, would you still be considered a, a Texan? Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. Always. Yeah, Texan. Oh, my God. Please don't get her started. Okay. <laughs> I would like, so, you know, it would be her to probably tell an even a better account of the history of Juneteenth, given that she is from Texas. Uh, but um, as it relates to just the overall history in 1865, uh, where the communication was received in the South uh, for some of the <clears throat> individuals that were slaves and slave owners to know specifically that they had been freed. So given, and I believe from what I understand of the history, I think the specific day, Juneteenth, was allocated and depicted as the day, I think that they could try to find, I guess, in close proximity to the time, but Juneteenth was labeled the day or the date uh, that was, I guess, depicted in history where the individuals heard or around that time frame because I think because of how history was done at the time, it wasn't specifically allocated. But that was around this again, around the time frame that it was heard or received in that part of the country. And because it was a celebration, it was an understanding about freedom in itself, uh, it was it was called Juneteenth because it was around that time frame, given that it is explaining or is a, I guess, a uh, understanding about how the slaves were freed. And it was depicted by celebrations and um, community gatherings and things like that. And, of course, over a course of time, given that we have evolved, <laughs> of course, it, it has evolved into other celebrations and understanding about history and um how the freeing of the slaves was an important time in our history and how we, as I said, as African-Americans and those that may understand African-American culture can continue to utilize that time as a time of um, black history, understanding and relevance of that time in the black community. And it's done by de depicting things in a way of a celebration versus something that was negative which, you know, of course, slavery in itself was not 
a good time for African Americans, right? No, so, I would no, I would definitely. Well, say even not. though in this day and age, you know, there are some people that want to uh, think differently, and I'll just say it that way, mm. di- differently about our history, but we all know factually that's not the case. Mm. So, so seeing that Juneteenth started as the day that the slaves in Texas received the information about the Emancipation Proclamation, how has that trickled down into celebrations in Arkansas and even more specifically in Northwest Arkansas? What's the backstory or the back history, if you will, on the Juneteenth celebrations here in Northwest Arkansas? Well, it's interesting that you say that, Lindsay, because I was having a conversation with Anthony Ball, and who's who is over or it has a position within Music Moves and Reggie James, who are the, those are the core leaders of Music Moves, about the history of Juneteenth uh, in Northwest Arkansas, specifically at the University of Arkansas, is my understanding. I mean, as I've gone and tried to research the history, it started about 26 years ago, whereas those that have been around here and know kind of the history of how um, it has evolved. It started at the University of Arkansas campus. At least that's my understanding. It wasn't anywhere else, given the population at the time. Uh, that Dr. Lonnie Williams, who at the time was, I think he might have been either an assistant or an associate vice chancellor at the time, but he had oversight of uh, the Multicultural Center. But is my understanding, even with talking with him years ago, that um, it was started, one, to acknowledge the day because in spite of it only being recognized as a federal holiday a few years ago, Juneteenth in itself has been part of the black culture and experience since 1865, you know, since 1865. But in Northwest Arkansas, Dr. Lonnie Williams and his staff uh, decided to start recognizing Juneteenth in Northwest Arkansas with it's being like a cookout and a gathering for students and faculty staff on campus. And it was at that level for a period of time. And then um, over a course of time, of course, it grew to where it involved, you know, it got bigger as more individuals were here as the African-American population started to grow. Uh, and then, of course, administration changed. Dr. Lonnie left. And then Dr. Gigi Sakubin took over as director of the Multicultural Center, and, and then she and I started working on it uh, together, and we started bringing in other organizations, uh, corporate community, and other partners to assist and support this event as they were hearing about the campus, because we, of course, just because it's a campus activity doesn't mean that it's solely, it's other people are precluded from attending. Right. So as we decided to expand it, get more partnership, get more uh, involvement with other organizations, it continually grew and grew and grew and grew over a course of time. And then, of course, uh, given that it's kind of been always a, I guess, Northwest Arkansas regional city, regional event, and it's grown to where at one point we were up to like 1,000, 1,500 people. Now, Chris, you've been here. Lindsay, you've been here. You all probably remember it's about 1,000 to 1,500 people would attend, you know, would attend the event, and it's been in various places between the campus um, and then Springdale. You know, we've had it there a few times. And then prior to COVID, you know, before all, everything happened with COVID, 
and Walmart was an integral part, and we brought on other key stakeholders like the Community Cohesion Project in the last year, and then uh, Music Moves, and then Interform uh, as we're the key partners in this event. Uh, and again, prior to COVID, uh, we had to, of course, pivot to do things virtually, but we've always had key stakeholders to assist us. So we had, even though it was virtual, we still had some some pretty good um, participation, even virtually. But as we have now, tra- we, we, we're transitioning out of COVID. I don't know if COVID's gone yet. Transitioning <laughs> out of COVID. Um, in the last two years, the fa- last year where our partnership with uh, the Community Cohesion Project, Interform, and Music Moves, uh, the whole purpose of us coming together is to not pull the community apart, but make sure that we, and not, not compete with each other, but to come together as a cohesive group and elevate the event where we all, as various key partners, have various um, I said we have our own, I guess, niches in this whole thing where, you know, we as the Northwest Arkansas community have tried to ensure that, you know, that the event stays free (laughs) to the community. And I mean, I think that's important because it's not about making money, but about exposing the culture. And so, like I said, in the last few years, you know, with our partnership, it has elevated now where last year we've been able to bring in good – artists and have expanded uh, the reach and expanded, you know, what we're able to provide or, I guess, expose the community to as a whole. And not just African-American community, but the Northwest Arkansas community. Yeah. You mentioned um, in your answer uh, the fact of Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday or nationally recognized holiday. Talk to us about your thoughts um, as a Juneteenth um, organizer um, around the holiday becoming a federally recognized holiday? Well, I, and again, because Juneteenth has been part of my life, I guess, since I was a child. My dad, I mean, that's something that I guess is always, I've always had an affinity for because my dad, uh, who has since passed away, he was the chair of the, of the Juneteenth Committee in Fort Smith. Mm. Uh, for and so Juneteenth has always been a part of my life in some way, shape, or form. Um, but for, so I mean, as far as its recognition, I guess too in its same vein, I am happy that it was recognized by our previous administration. But far as its relevance and significance in my in our community, I don't think it's changed at all much. I mean, what does it, what does it do? It does give better, give more exposure um, to other audiences and other other communities. I guess uh, for those that recognize it, they may get a day off mm. <laughs> for that. Uh, and I think it, in a way, it does send a message to the ty- to the type of importance that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does do that. Um, but far as those that really know and understand what Juneteenth is and have celebrated it for many years, it not it it may it may have made a significant difference to some, but not a significant difference to those that have known it and understood it for a long time. Does that make sense? Do you feel like the importance of the celebration of Juneteenth is lost or was lost? 
by the black and African-American community when it became recognized as a national holiday? Do I think it became lost? The importance of, of why it's celebrated. Do you think that it, in a sense, got watered down, watered down mm-hmm. from the recognition of celebrating the day that slaves in Texas found out about the Emancipation Proclamation or found out that they were free to becoming more of an alternative celebration to the 4th of July for people of color or for African-Americans? Well, I mean, if you're saying that, do I think the lens that African-Americans look at it from a different lens now that it's a federal holiday versus the 4th of July? Um, I don't know if it's changed. I don't think it has. I don't think it's, it's, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's changed significantly because those that know and understand what Juneteenth is about and have celebrated it and understands its significance, um, it's been, it's always been there. Um, I think, as, as I said, I think it, it caused more exposure to those that don't understand um, what Juneteenth was or what Juneteenth is all about. Um, so for those that understand and know black history and black culture I would and understand its significance, I would say no. But those that don't understand, and I don't think that transcends any race, any background, if they didn't understand what Juneteenth is about, I think— um, they would have to know and understand the, the history to understand it on their own, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. So I'm not sure if it so, quote-unquote, waters it down, uh, because I don't think in this case you have to choose. I mean, why do you have to choose? Because um, the 4th of July, you know, is a celebration for something else, mm-hmm. whereas in historically in the African-American culture, it's a celebration for something else. So I don't think it has to be watered down. I think it has to be, it was an opportunity for it to be elevated more than watered down, in my opinion. So as we think about from the perspective of balance, how do we really balance the importance of celebrating these, celebrating and honoring these national moments in our history like Juneteenth, like Black History Month? with understanding that we still have a long way to go as a community. Okay. So when you use when you're saying balance, that's that's kind of where my mind was was how do we balance, you know, all the other um special observances and holidays and things like that and understanding like you said that we have, you know, we have work to do. Um I think one acknowledging that we have work to do. <laughs> And then understanding that, you know, it's not about, as the three of us have worked, you know, many years on MLK holiday, and that we spend an enormous amount of time uh, leading up to the uh, holiday celebration and doing other events and activities around that to commemorate the, the legacy of Dr. King. I think as we've talked about even in the council conversation, is that it's not about those specific days. Mm-hmm. It's the everyday. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, what are we doing to acknowledge the, the life, the legacy, the understanding of the culture on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. And how do we integrate that in our daily lives? How do we integrate that in, in our work capacities? How do we integrate that in how we're teaching our families and our children? So, I think if it's something just like anything else, 
<laughs> if it's like anything else, if it's important to us, we're going to take time to do it. And I think the everybody here, and this is my, again, this is not speaking for the committee. This is not, this is speaking, oh, sorry, this is speaking for Danielle. I think we, we, we are so, lives are busy. <laughs> lives are busy. And I think we have to think about how we are going to spend the time doing certain things that are, that are important to us. And I think sometimes we require a lot of our respective communities understanding they are, they're individuals, one, that do a lot. They're being pulled right and left like Madam President over here mm -hmm. <laughs> that has a lot going on and wondering how she even sleeps. Um, and people say sometimes the same with me, how do you sleep? I said, trust me, Danielle sleeps. Um, but I think, too, it's like, it's also that education, education and awareness piece is that how are we engaging people that may not know and understand to get them to understand the importance and significance? Because we all certain people can't just do it. So to have balance, to have elevation, it's learning how we can best educate others to sometimes help in this process. So how do we kind of still along those lines, Danielle, how do we position Juneteenth as a celebration, but not only Juneteenth? I mean, as you also brought up, uh, even our MLK celebration and others, um, how do we continue to position those celebrations or um, annual recognitions um, to ensure that we um uh, place or highlight or keep the highlight of issues such as racial injustice um, and other issues at the forefront of um, of our celebrations so that they are not just one-offs and they're not just feel-goods. I mean, we want people to come to the celebrations. Yes, we want them to have, um, obviously, feel-good opportunities. We want people to come out to the Juneteenth celebration and obviously have a great time. I mean, and I think, um, and I know Music Moves has announced the lineup for the entertainment, et, et, et cetera. There's going to be great food. Our MLK celebrations are always grand times, great celebrations, great times to honor people in the community, et cetera. But how do we also keep at the forefront that these are also movements and we want our community to, like you said, on a day-to-day -day basis to stay engaged, particularly like with us as the MLK Council. This is a movement. Um, or we want people to stay engaged. We want them to stay aware of systemic issues that are going on um, in our local communities, regional communities, national communities, and that their presence um, is vital to keep these issues at the fore um, so that we can continue to dismantle and address uh, these unjust uh, systems as they still exist. I think it's, it's two things and I, I think as a, as a compliance person um, just like I say there's two things that are always that can make uh, a shift. Well, I say it differently in my capacity on campus. 
I used to say there's two things that'll get you in trouble. <laughs> but, but in this in this narrative, there's two things typically that uh, well, really there's three two that that can shift. There's um, there's education, there's awareness, and there's action. Um, and I say that because one, it always has to be a constant part of the narrative, whatever that may be. If it is a part of the feel-good activities where we're announcing things from the dais or we are, you know, having conversations with key stakeholders throughout the year. Uh, we're providing education opportunities for people to understand in various forums. It's not, it's the podcast. It, it's the um, the uh, um, outreach activities that, like, MLK does, like we do throughout the year. It's... Um, trying to integrate things within certain organizations that have uh, individuals that are, are key decision makers. Mm -hmm. Because what you're trying to do is influence, provides education and influence to the narrative that's able to address whatever the systemic issues and concerns are. So if you have the ear and you have, you have the credibility and you have the ear and then you have the action of people that are in some of these decisions and you're working from the top down and the ground up. Cause you know, if you work from the top down and circle down, you're going to work from the ground up. Eventually, if it's done right, you're going to meet it in the middle. And it's, then it's all going to be one. It's all going to be very uh, concentrated. So if you're utilizing, you know, your words and you're educating and you're following up with action and it's not just one time a year, but you're in doing things in different forward forums that meet the needs, you know, what, I mean, as, as you know, as believers, and I get the guess I can say this, as believers, you know, one thing we do, we meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, right, we meet people where they are. So it's not about what we feel like is easy mm -hmm. uh, to get the message, but sometimes it may require a little bit more work mm -hmm. that is going to reach the communities that uh, need to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to look differently depending on, who the individuals are, if it's individuals in the C-suite, if it's individuals that, if it's students, if it's those that are in under underserved or marginalized communities, it might look differently. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're going to be impactful, mm -hmm. you gotta look at things um, from various ways and look at it from um, not what's easiest and from the norm. So it has to be uh, the education, the communication, and the action. Mm -hmm in various ways and be very diverse about how that's how that's integrated mm -hmm. so that's my thought that's a really good segue because as i think about dr king and this concept of the beloved community a community where everyone is cared for where everyone is a part of how does the Juneteenth Committee really live that out in terms of the partners that you all collaborate with, the sponsors that you have, the other organizations that co-labor in this initiative with you? Who are some of those, those sponsors and those community partners that work with you that really implement this concept of the beloved community and really have this concept of justice and equity and rights for for all people well what i'm happy to say is that i think all the organizations the sponsorships the key partners have that philosophy that's good i, I really i and i believe that and it's not that 
I'm saying that because this podcast may be going out to, I believe that. And, and for you all, both of you have been knowing me for years. I, as, as my grandma said, I don't fool with people. <laughs> I don't fool with people that are not, you know, that are not true in what they say they're doing. If they're not, then you probably won't see me. Um, cause I don't, I don't, I try to do my best not to deal with foolishness. So I would say, no, I, all the organizations that we're, that are key stakeholders and partners have that philosophy, uh, music moves, Interform, um, the community cohesion project as they all, they all have their own independent, um, reason for existing and supporting various forums. They all have that same mentality um, and then for the key partners, such as the Walton Family Foundation, who came to us a couple of years ago and said they want to be in, they want to be involved, they want to elevate, uh, assist in elevating Juneteenth to an event that would be open, and um, and more accessible and a draw for the community. So they, I didn't reach out to them, which I, they reached out to us and said that I'll never forget that phone call during COVID. <laughs> never forget it. Um, and then I know when talking with Anthony Ball and Reginald James, um, um, the Walton family, I mean, the Tyson Family Foundation has the same or similar spirit. Uh, Walmart, of course, you know, uh, Walmart has and has been a longstanding supporter of Juneteenth for various years. And actually a few years ago gave us more monetary support. But in talking with um, those that are that administer the funding for us, and I, uh, maybe I can say her name. I'm not sure if I can, Lindsay. Uh, uh, Angela Oxford, who's one of our our contacts at Walmart. Uh, one of the, she and I, I've been knowing her various years, you know, many years too, as she worked on the campus for many years. But um, she even said, Danielle, one of the reasons why we try to support, want to support Juneteenth is because it's a community-related event. It's free. And I said, anytime if I have anything to do with it, it's always going to be free just because we want to ensure that it is accessible to all populations, all populations. As we know, there's few food insecurities in Northwest Arkansas, in spite of what people believe, <laughs> there are food insecurities in Northwest Arkansas. One of the things we've done since its inception is provide a meal at the event for free you just have to come show up get you a meal and and if you're going to at least eat once Hmm. (laughs) you're going to at least eat once Mm -hmm. that day um and we you know it's not just one small thing you know you eat and get full Mm -hmm. that day um but that's one of the things too is ensure that it's open and accessible to all audiences so I know Interform, as they've tried to branch out more in the African-American community and CCP their whole their whole is to elevate um, marginalized from what I understand about them and connecting with them as they are trying to elevate um, events and activities for people of color. Um, that was part of what their role and uh, the reason why they're, they came about from what I have talked to them about. So I would say all key stakeholders, all partners have that mindset, have and want to continue to grow and elevate Juneteenth. So, it could be a part of uh, something that is accessible, not just to African-American communities, but all the communities in Northwest Arkansas. Excellent. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, and we are just, as always, we've been thrilled, thrilled to know you as a friend, as a sister, 
uh, Danielle. Um, and we're just ecstatic and excited about the upcoming Juneteenth celebration. Tell us more about what we can expect from this upcoming Juneteenth celebration um, and uh, how people can uh, contact you, get in contact with the uh, Juneteenth committee, where the Juneteenth celebration is going to be held this year and the times. So um, Juneteenth celebration is going to be at Shiloh Square uh, on June 17th uh, from 1 to 9 p.m. Uh, same location as last year. Um, I say Anthony and I was like, Anthony, I don't think it's, it's going to blow it out, man. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be the space is going to be interesting. But we're going to we're in that same space, which I think is great. Um, of course, we're going to have a lot of act. You know, we're going to have activities. We're going to have local vendors and exhibitors. As we talked about earlier, we're going to have free food. Uh, we're going to have um, locations where for games and activities for children. Uh, Crystal Bridges, uh, they're working on an educational piece that we're trying to confirm right now, so I don't want to say too many details until uh, we have it all outlined, but of course we're going to have that educational piece for our public and, and for uh, children, and then um, of course the entertainment is a big, kind of a big draw, we feel like it's a big draw, so we'll have uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Young Jock, we have... Um, wow. I know what I'm like. Boom, boom, boom. You boom, know, boom, I can't boom, remember boom. that. With a boom, 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 Anyway, <laughs> y'all may not put this on the thing. So anyway, so we are, um, like I said, we're gonna have food and activities and events mm -hmm. that on that day. Uh, we have again, Bone Thugs and Harmony, the Ohio Players, Lisa Knowles and the Brown Singers, and of course the Funk Factory are going to be the live entertainment for that day. And we will have, you know, wow. of course, during the downtime, we'll have, you know, music playing and all of that. So it'll be a good time. Yeah. I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. So well, we are definitely excited Absolutely. about what the committee is doing in Northwest Arkansas and the fantastic Juneteenth celebration that you all are working to bring year after year to our community. Know that we appreciate the recognition of the holiday and appreciate the day of celebration here in Northwest Arkansas for sure. Absolutely. What's the website where they can reach, uh, find more information on the Juneteenth? And we're actually in the process of making sure we are updating it but they can go to juneteenth.uark.edu um and they can also go out to music music moves and and see information uh the one other thing i wanted to bring up as a as a part of our juneteenth celebration activities prior to the event on the 17th uh through the northwest arkansas committee and day vision we started through Mike Day's vision, Day Vision, <laughs> uh, the Black Film Festival, because oh, yeah. as though uh, a lot of people that know Mike Day knows that he that is his gift. Yeah. And um, with filmic, filmmaking, yeah. I mean, very, you know, very talented young man. Mm -hmm. um, so three, was it uh, three years ago? Well, right out of COVID, um, he and I were talking and we wanted to, especially in conversations with the Walton Family Foundation and trying to elevate the, the Juneteenth holiday and that experience uh, and speaking with Mike Day and trying to see what he can do as far as understanding the black experience. Um, we started with his vision 
uh, the Black Film Festival, which is, you know, a part of the Juneteenth celebration activities. So uh, this is the third year. Very excited about the third year for the Black Film Festival. Um, working in uh, collaboration, of course, well, it's his vision. We're supporting him. I want to make sure that's clear. It's like he's doing it. He's, you know, designing it. It's it's, it's his connections with the filmmakers. But that event is going to be on June. It's the Thursday before. So it's I think it's June, the, not think, it's June the 15th um, from 6 to 10 at Crystal Bridges. More information will be coming out about that uh, very soon. But I want to make sure that the community does uh, support him as we are trying to, again, educate on all areas of the black experience. So Yes, excellent. Well, we cannot end an episode of the Beloved Community Podcast without doing a little fun fast five. What does that mean? Okay. <laughs> so You're we'll just ask you. Okay. We'll just ask you a series of of five different questions, and oh it's just Lord. a real quick <laughs> rapid fire, <laughs> rapid fire response. So the first one is cat or dog? Dog. <laughs> Anybody knows me? I have two beagle dogs that are my children. So yes, dog. dog definitely. Okay. What about Mickey or Minnie? Oh, oh don't even God. play with my spirit today. <laughs> Anybody who knows and understands me, Mickey Mouse is the core. Uh, I have a Mickey Mouse watch, with the exception of one watch that belonged to my father. All my watches are Mickey Mouse watches. What about Black History Month or Juneteenth? There's no choice. Okay. Because they're equally important. Good answer. Mm. Good answer. No choice. Cardinal red or crimson red? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> it has to be crimson red. <laughs> and I think y'all know why. Blah, blah, blah. Has, <laughs> she is a member of Delta Sigma <laughs> Theta <laughs> Incorporated. De- Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Sorority Incorporated. Incorporated. Arkansas alumni. Chapter 2019. <laughs> Last one, Disneyland or Disney World? Oh, must be. And I've gone to both, but the last experience at Disneyland, I was a child, like 10, 12 years old. And I've been to Disney World a few times as an adult, so I think it'd have to be Disney World. Uh, if anyone wants to volunteer for for Juneteenth on that day, it's a good opportunity to do that. Um, more information will be posted on the uh, Juneteenth website, juneteenth.uark.edu, or they can contact myself or Jeanelle for diaz regarding the any opportunities to volunteer. That's going to do it for us today on another episode of the Beloved Community Podcast. If you want more information about today's guest and the work that the Juneteenth Committee is doing in Northwest Arkansas, you can visit the Juneteenth website at juneteenth.uark.edu. And you can always stay in touch with us at the Beloved Community Podcast on the KUAF website or the Northwest Arkansas MLK Council website at www.nwamlk.org. 
I am Lindsay Leverett Higgins, and we'll see you next month for another episode of the Beloved Community Podcast.